Welcome to the Running in the Center of the Universe podcast. I'm Ashlyn Dave, your host. We've got a great show lined up, so let's get started. And this is Ashlyn Dave, and this is the Running in the Center of the Universe podcast, episode number 289. We'll call this uh, Ashland Railroad Run, uh, Shingles, Charlotte Trip, and Email Bag. Got a lot of stuff to hit on. Plus, I have an encore presentation of episode 20 from the week of July 18th, 2008. That'll be at the end of the show. Uh, but I'm glad to have another episode out. It is the week of June 6, 2020. I'm glad that you came along. I appreciate you coming back, downloading the show again. Um, got a lot to hit on here. Uh, I'm looking through my uh, stack of stuff, and um, most exciting part is that I got some emails from the last show, so I appreciate those very much, which I will share in the email bag section of the show. Uh, but the first thing I want to talk about is the Ashland Railroad Run, uh, 10K, 5K, and Kids One Mile Fun Run. Uh, I have talked about this race many times over the years of the podcast. I was the race director, um, correction, co-race director for four years. Uh, the year before I uh, took on the race directing duties, I was um, kind of an assistant to the uh, deputy assistant. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was kind of an assistant to the race director. Um, kind of getting trained uh, for when uh, me and another person uh, took the race over. And uh, after that, uh, after my time was done, and I believe, uh, let's see, that was probably 2012, 2013. Um, I can't do the math, but uh, that was like the 35th. It's like the 33rd, 34th, 35th, and 36th year. And then uh, this year was the 44th. So I, I, whatever that math is, uh, that's how long it's been since I've been involved in it. Um, but my, uh, the organization that puts it on is the Hanover Arts and Activities Center, loca- located here in Ashland, Virginia, center of the universe. And, and the race was back on May 14th. And this was the first uh, race that was in person for the last couple of years. Um, they, they maintained a virtual race so they could keep the street going. It, it is one of the longest running uh, 10K, pun intended, events in the rich, greater Richmond area, the met, Richmond metro area. I believe the only one that's been longer is the Stratford Hills 10K, or they're right around the same uh, same amount of years. That's a pretty long time to have a race. Forty. Uh, this was his 44th year. Um, and my wife, Monica, was uh, the co-race director. Her, uh, She handled that with a another board member named Brenda. Uh, they did a great job. They were... Uh, having to put this race on after it had not been, um, you know, had not been produced for a little while. And as a result, you know, it was about 260, I think, 270 um, participants all told, which is not bad for a small town race. Uh, back in the heyday, it was over 500 participants. Um, and there was a lot more marketing, you know, people, but not, not as people come out to stuff now, or at least it's, it's starting to trend back that people are starting to come out. Uh, but they had a really good job. Uh, two, two new race directors, they put their, their spin on it. Um, and they had to kind of uh, suffer through some things. For example, the race, of course, was not, uh, the certification had expired. Uh, back when I was involved in it, we had gotten the, we had to do a new 10K route. 
Uh, I don't know what episodes there are, but you can go back. Uh, you can scroll back through at ashlanddave.podbean.com and look for some of those old episodes about the race. So episode 175 would be one of those. That's from 2013. I just uh, went back at ashlanddave.podbean.com. The, uh, the podcasting service that I use used to have a uh, like a widget on the side of the screen where you could click the year and go to the episodes from that year. I didn't see that feature there anymore when I just scrolled through. But if you go back, uh, click at the bottom, older posts, you can go back and learn a little bit more about what it was like to direct that race back when uh, before you know any kind of pandemic or anything weird or anything like that. And we had had the course certified, uh, which costs money, costs more money now. And the person, there's only two people that certify races in this part of Virginia. And uh, one of them was act- is actually the retired owner of the race uh, timing company that uh, the race directors used for this year. Um, so they decided not to, to to worry about that. And I kind that's what I recommended. Don't don't worry about getting the race course certified on the first year back. Um, a lot of people want to race the five k, and that's a good thing because that's revenue for, you know, this is a fundraiser for an activities and a community center here in town, an old building. It was a church during the civil war converted to a hospital and it's got uh, lots of groups use it. Um, it's a reception center for weddings and other events. It's got a, a very cool front yard area that is right along the railroad tracks and it's very picturesque, uh, small town kind of stuff, big building, a building with columns on the front. Uh, it's got a community preschool in the back and then part of the basement. Um, it's just a great center. And so this, the Ashland Railroad Run is one of the major fundraisers for that. So, you know, we accept all, all of, uh, when I say we, because I was uh, an advisor this year. Um, but uh, so what I did is I helped uh, the race directors kind of along the way. They had uh, great notes from previous race directors. Everything kind of improved each year. And so I was really uh, excited to be involved and see how, you know, the decision-making had evolved over the years since my involvement, such as with shirts and um, uh, timing company, uh, you know, packet pickup, that kind of stuff, sponsorships, and everything went really smooth. Um, I was able to uh, marshal at one of the key intersections, and uh, due to the requirements from the police for this event, uh, we could only use kind of one quadrant of town with, um, if you can think of four quadrants, um, uh, like in, if you can think of Ashland like being a square, even though it's not, you have the uh, northwest quadrant, northeast, southwest, and southeast. And then the railroad tracks go north-south in between the, the uh, quad, you know, two quadrants on each side. And we were told we can only basically be in the southwest quadrant of town, which is the uh, historic re- uh, residential area. So as a result of that, um, with some exceptions, so we, we came up with the new course and it ended up being kind of a partial double loop course, um, only on the tail end of it, not the, the, the initial out and back of three miles really separates the, uh, the field. Um, and then it starts looping through the historic area, just a partial uh, double loop. And every year there's always one person that uh, gets confused and doesn't pay attention to the marshals, uh, doesn't read any pre-race information that goes out when they pick up their race number they don't look at any maps they don't even know where they are uh sometimes you know they're they just know they followed their garment to so-and-so address on center street in Ashland, virginia and, and they started running and following everybody 
every year there's always one person that uh, that messes up, and this year there was no exception. Uh, I marshaled at this key intersection where you really need to identify runners who you know they're on their second time coming through there, and they're usually easy to identify. And sometimes you just ask them. You ask them, "Have you seen me yet? I have. I don't recognize you. Have you seen me yet?" And some people will come run right up to you within two or three feet and and say, "Which way do I go?" You know, and they got you can hear their music playing so loud they don't even really know where they are um sometimes that worries me because you know they can't completely close off a course when you have, it's in a residential area um so there was one person and i've been criticized before in this podcast for calling people out um but this guy got up in my face uh he came and found me after the race and um came down to my and my marshal location was uh maybe three quarters of a mile from the from the finish line area. I wasn't close to the finish line. It was just, I was a couple blocks over, uh, but that's just how far it was. And so somebody had to come out of their way to come find me. And this guy found me and came up and said, he kind of got, you know, within like two feet of me and, and put his finger kind of in my face. Not, not to the point where I needed to, um, to do anything, but he, he confronted me and he told me that I had tricked him. And I asked him what he meant by that. And, it was very difficult to understand what uh, he was trying to tell me how I tricked him. But what I gathered from it was that he really didn't know what the course was. And um, he basically, to summarize, he said that when he came through and saw me, he didn't know if he had seen me before. And I put it back on him. I said, sir, it's your responsibility to know what this route is, what the race course is. If you have a question, you can ask that. But I was standing in the middle of the street for three hours engaging runners, and you would have known if you had seen me. I was wearing plaid. Uh, I was wearing a, a silly-looking outfit, frankly. I was wearing a pork pie hat. I was wearing plaid uh, cargo shorts, a orange uh, vest, and the race t-shirt was under that and a hat uh the pork pie hat was actually an american flag um style hat and so i was very visible i was loud i was engaging people and he told me when he came through he didn't know if he had seen me yet um so he went the opposite direction and then he didn't do he didn't do the whole course so he ended up getting uh we figured out who he was and the race director, I explained the situation to the race director, and um, we went, did a little bit of an addition. And we were, this wasn't the only person we did this. Uh, we had another uh, discrepancy in the finish time. Um, but we found out that this it was not the right pace, and plus with his statements that he had not run the full course, he did not make the uh, race results. And um, it was kind of a confrontational type of thing. So I had that feeling afterwards, you know, did I do something wrong or – was I not polite? Um, and I basically told him, you know, take it up with the race director. You know, I'm here to direct people uh, going one direction on this road and the other direction on this road, depending on where they are in the, in the race course. And you need to know where you are. And for example, coming through the first time, people were just over the four mile mark. Coming through the second time, people were at five and a half miles, which means they only had um, about a quarter of uh, like I said, three quarters of a mile to get to the finish line, not a straight shot, but kind of uh, meandering through the race course there. And, and you need to know where you are. And this guy didn't, um, he clearly had done other results and I'm sorry his day got ruined. Uh, so I kind of throw that out there a little bit. Uh, Ashland Dave at gmail.com is the, as the email address. 
I, I really feel like someone needs to know where they're going. And I'll use an example. I got lost on a 50-mile course. When I say I got lost, I didn't get lost. I went the wrong way because you can't get really get lost in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. But I took a wrong – I didn't um, – I didn't keep going straight. I took a turn where I was supposed to be going straight. I still ended up at the same area, but I went a little, I went farther and it was, I missed the sign. There was nobody standing there. Um, but as it turns out, I was the only one that didn't, that missed it because all of a sudden I was out on a very long stretch of roadway by myself. And I was really starting to wonder where are the people that were just in front of me? Uh, where were the people that I knew there were some people behind me? Um, I, and of course, you know, this was gosh, 35 miles from the the finish line. So I had plenty of time to be stewing, thinking I'm going to run all this way and not get a finish. And I went to the race director when I got to the end and I explained what happened. And and I said, Hey, I hope you still give me a finish, but I I didn't go the right route. Um, he kind of laughed and said, of course you get a finish. You went longer than everybody else. I'll give you a finish. (laughs) So that kind of worked itself out, but this guy didn't, he didn't, he didn't do 6.2 miles, and I'm sorry that that, that was the case. Uh, the race was won by Brian Flynn. Uh, don't have his age, but he is ran in 32 minutes, 20 seconds. Uh, he was way out in front of everybody. This person that came in second place ran it in 36. And uh, first female, Laura Taylor, ran uh, 40 minutes, 43 seconds. And for some reason, I don't know why their ages aren't in the results. I'm not really sure. Uh, but anyway, it was a, a great event. Uh, got a lot of people out. The weather was perfect, and I really had a good time. Uh, for the route, uh, for the route next year, uh, we have some new trails in Ashland that unfortunately are on private property. We're pretty sure, so we're going to seek to eliminate that second loop. Uh, keep it in mind that the, the double loop course was done for, gosh, ten years and. Each each year, there's only oh, there's only one person that uh, one year I don't think we had anybody, um, at least well my involvement. There's always somebody that that doesn't know where they are, and it, it it's really a shame. Uh, they pay the money to come out. There's marshals there, you know. Runners are can look at the map. The maps are online. There's printed out maps when they get there. But I think what needs to be done is uh, if that if that course stays because we can't use these new trails that uh, I've been out there experimenting a little bit running. Uh, to kind of to get rid of that second loop, we can add some of the trails and then uh, bill it as like a rails to trails, rails and trails 10K kind of thing, come up with a new gimmick scene. Uh, we should have the people acknowledge when they pick up their race bib that they are familiar with the course or promise to be familiar with the course or something. Um, I think there's more that can be done. I, rec- I recognized this early on when I was involved with the race that that is such a key intersection. You got to have two marshals out there and uh, and I was working it. I was working it there with Ash and Brian, and we were you know communicating with each other. Have we seen these? Have we seen this person yet? Um, and if he'll say yeah, I said okay. We'll, we'll direct them the other way. And if we weren't sure, we would ask. We would ask the runner. It didn't. It didn't slow him down at all. We would engage them. You know, fifty yards out. Uh, have you seen me yet? No. Okay. This is the way you go. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with engaging runners uh, verbally when you have a course such as the one we had and. Of course, the goal would be not to have to do that second partial uh, loop. Um, but we never really got any complaints except for the people who uh, didn't know what they were doing. And like I said, I felt bar- bad for them. Uh, we had a couple other hiccups. Um, 
the we have a completely new police chief in Ashland now, which meant new officers uh, or different people were involved with uh, the police side of the race. Uh, a briefing with the police definitely needs to take place. Uh, I did a little debriefing with me and the the my wife, um, and just shared some of the things that I saw from my vantage point. And uh, when she meets with the co-race director, they're going to uh, they have a whole punch list of stuff they're going to go through. Uh, but it was a real good time. I'm uh, really glad to be to have been involved in it, and um, we're going to try to come up with a new a new course and see uh, see how that works with uh, some of these. Uh, they're gravel trails that a new subdivision was built. That there's some gravel paths from the town into the county that go across this creek, and there's some paths that go through there that I think we can probably use to loop back through then a town park. I mean, there's going to be some roots and stuff in there, and I know we're going to have somebody probably hit the deck, and but we got insurance and all that. Anyway, that's something to uh, think about going forward. Uh, so I got shingles. Um, I'm in week three of, uh, of shingles. I got it, uh, let's say, today is a Monday, so Sunday was yesterday. Two Sundays back is when I started feeling it. And I thought I was just razor burn along my my neck, back of my neck, and then it kept getting worse and worse. And finally, I they manifested. They the skin condition is I can see why it's called shingles because it's um, pretty bad. Uh, the only problem was that we had a trip to Charlotte, North Carolina, planned for the NASCAR race and to go to the National Whitewater Center down there and do the ropes course and the zip lines and and do some other things. And uh, I made the trip. Our whole family went. Uh, I met with my buddy Rob down there and his family, and we uh, did everything together, the, the kind of the two families. He has an adult son that uh, lives at home uh, who's, who's autistic, uh, but we spent a lot of time with them, and we had a great, it was six of us, so we had a great time doing that, that trip, but I tell you, I was in pain the whole time. I, I could do the, I could do just the rope, the ropes course and the zip line. However, I didn't do any of the, uh, the actual climbing. My wife and daughter both did that. Uh, daughter being 20 years old. Oh gosh, she's turning 21 next month. Uh, just a great time down there. Great hospitality. I love going down to Charlotte. It was it's five and a half hours drive. It's just um, it's such a long drive. But uh, so when I got back, you know, I just I was suffering through um, the shingles, and it it's just constant pain. The worst part is the is the lack of sleep because you can't sleep all night. You I have it on my shoulder, my chest, and my neck, and my back. And uh, so you have the bur- the skin burning sensation constant, um, like you turn. But then the muscle gets really stiff, and so essentially, you for two weeks, I've felt like I've had a crick in my neck. So whenever I look over my left shoulder when I'm driving the car to see if I can turn lanes, it just hurts like, like, like no tomorrow. And then. Um, I can't shave that, that that side, and I've got a beard, so I like to kind of keep it trimmed up. Um, last week, I spent the whole week when we got back from Charlotte. I spent the whole week at home because I just I couldn't go to work because of the way uh, the way I looked. Uh, but I was able to work remote. I have one of those jobs now, so I'm very fortunate for that. Uh, but while I was home, uh, let's flip over to a very positive note. I signed up for the Richmond Half Marathon, which is going to be November 12th, and. So the series training for that starts August 22nd. So I'll be building up between now and then just to get to the point where I can run, you know, 12 miles for the week. I know that doesn't seem like a whole lot, but I just haven't really been doing that much um, since with the tendonitis and my hamstring tendonitis, which I talked about in the last show. 
and this damn shingles thing. Although I ran last Saturday with my group and I felt pretty good. And then I ran uh, two weeks before that. We kind of did a, a 6.2 route to kind of experiment to see if those trails would give us some more distance. Because uh, I can't really go online and measure these trails accurately. I want to go out there and do it uh, with my Garmin. Um, oh, I got to tell a, a funny story going back to the 5K for the Ashland Railroad Run. So I, so I had a lady come up to me who who I know from running here in town. And um, she said that uh, there were some people whispering that the 5K wasn't um, 5K. It was short. I said, well, that's probably the case because it's not certified. I said it could also be longer on somebody else's Garmin. I know when I measured it and painted the street for the start finish and then the turnaround, it was like 3.15. I went ahead and, and pulled it a little long uh, so we wouldn't have that happen. Uh, but that was just one, my Garmin. You know, I routinely run on Saturday mornings where I'm, you know, I get to five miles and my running buddies are still going for another tenth, uh, namely Ashton Bob. I think I, I was like, are we on the same satellite here? Uh, so, but what I had done is uh, when somebody finished who looked like a serious runner from the 5K who smoked it, I said, "Ma'am, if you don't mind me, t- did you measure? Did you measure it and hit and hit your watch at the finish line?" She said, "I did." I said, "Do you mind telling me what you measured it as?" And she showed me her Garmin and it said 3.08. So, you know, that's why you certify a course. You uh, you have somebody that measures it different ways, um, and they know how to measure it. Uh, they don't use a Garmin. They're actually using um, uh, the guy that we had used a bicycle. And then um, we w- when we went out to – oh, there's just so much more to say about how we were marking the course. I wish I had uh, more time in this pod- podcast. Maybe I'll bring that up in the next one. I'm not sure. But I got a couple other things to get here before we get to that encore presentation of episode number 20, which if you're if you've been listening to the show for a long time, you're going to laugh your ass off with how um, uh, amateurish. Well, you're probably laughing right now about how amateur the podcast is. But that episode going back to 2000 or I say 2008. Um, yeah, that's pretty bad. Well, pretty funny. You can still hear it. I mean, it's it's not a bad uh not a bad show. I was just still, still new to the whole thing. Um, so we're uh, the cool thing about the Richmond Half Marathon, it's the same day as um, Ashlyn Bob's uh, oldest daughter's wedding, which we're going to. And uh, we've recently learned that we're going to have transportation uh, provided to that event uh, and back. So that'll mean adult beverages and lots of partying and dancing and eating and carrying on, which would be awesome. Um. So um, before I get to the email bag section of the show, uh, which includes a text from Ashlyn Bryan, um, the I have a conflict. I think I mentioned this in the last show. I'm not sure. I did have a conflict with the what they call in the Ashland Half Marathon now, which is the weekend of August 28th. I've got another conflict, and I, I'm not able to uh, run that the half marathon. Uh, they call it the Ashland Half now. It used to be called the Patrick Henry Half. Uh, but since that race has been going on, I think the, the initial year was 2007. I've either run it or been involved with it one way or the other. So I'm thinking if I volunteer the Friday night at uh, uh, Bib Pickup and uh, Packet Pickup, which is uh, within walking distance of my house, that should count, right? I volunteered at a water stop one year because I was on call for work and I was worried I might get called in and so I couldn't be running the on the route. Never got called in, so I was at the water stop the whole time. So I think I'll go ahead and look into that and just volunteer a few hours that evening, the Friday before the race, which would be, I guess, the 20, 26th or 27th of August. I'm, I'm not sure. Whatever that Friday is. It's the weekend before Labor Day, I think. Um, all right, let's get into the email bag section of the show. See so you checked in this week. Just got a few, and I wanted to share those with you. 
Alright, the first one is from Jamie Delaney. And uh, I was interviewed on her podcast a while back. Um, she's been a long time listening to the show. And uh, great news about her is that she recently finished her first 50 miler. Um, she also loved the uh, motivation episode uh, number 10 that was in the last show. Um, and uh, she sent in her sympathy in reference to my dog, Blue, who had passed. Um, she said she's a little nervous about her first 50 miler. I had to email her back to find out which one she did because I'm curious. Uh, she said she had heard a podcast interview on a mid-pack runner. And that person said the last 25 wasn't much worse than the mile 26. She said she hung on to that thought, accepted that 26 hurt, but 50 would be not much worse than it worked. Aches and pains came and went, but nothing lasted for long until she finished and sat down, then she got stiff. Yeah, I've always thought it was interesting, Jamie, how you can um, you can run to the 50-mile mark, to the finish line, uh, and that's the finish, and then you and then you can't do anything else. Uh, you can't, you sit down, you get up, you can't, all of a sudden, you can't walk, you can't run. Um... I personally think that uh, the last uh, the last 25 is just a whole different world. I mean, there's really no magic that happens as you figured out when you pass the 26.2 mile mark. Uh, but the pain, to, to me, from what I recall, the pain, and that's probably why I don't. I'm I'm, I'm getting through shingles okay. Um, I mean, it hurts all the time. It hurts when you're sleeping. It hurts when you wake up in the middle of the night. It hurts when you're sitting at your desk. Um, it hurts when you're eating. It just hurts all the time. And I think because I've, I just got, I got comfortable with being uncomfortable during ultras um, is why I can maybe kind of get through this shingles thing. The doctor said two to five weeks, and I wish I was, I wish, I wish it was only just two. Uh, but anyway, congratulations, Jamie, on your uh, your ultra finish. Uh, your, she said her next adventure is the Leadville Marathon um, at 10,000 feet to 13,000 feet, and that should go real good there, Jamie. Being that you're uh, Florida, three foot of elevation. Um, so hopefully you can uh, you can get that right. Anybody can run 13.2 should be a story. Um, and I uh, appreciate you saying there about uh, uh, I, I just appreciate your email. You, she said some other things there that I, I just wish to uh, not share with everybody. And I, I appreciate it, Jamie. Good to hear from you. And uh, email me back and let me know what um, which one you're doing, which one you did. Okay, I'm, I'm very curious. Uh, also heard from Phil. Phil is moving to Virginia, uh, not real close to where I am, but about uh, four hours out to the west of where I am. However, he has, uh, he finished marathon ultra marathon number 294 uh, the weekend of last weekend in May, uh, with a 12-hour run in Maryville, Tennessee. He said he has a foot problem, but it's getting better. Um, that is just incredible. I, Phil, you probably don't remember this. I think I might have told you this, but I... I've looked you up, and I know because uh, you're Marathon Maniacs, and I remember you from the Hatfield-McCoy start. Um, I was not running that day. I was injured. I was helping my friends, but I remember the start in that parking lot, uh, the uh, grocery store parking lot where they start that marathon, and uh, I do recall uh, seeing you there, so I wish at the time I had known who you were, uh, and that was interesting because I also met Jamie that same weekend. Um, I saw her in the parking lot uh, she was there I don't think she was running she was there supporting one of her friends or was with the group and I ended up uh, introducing myself to her out in the parking lot of some other place so it's funny how you run into people uh, but good to hear from you Phil I always uh, appreciate your encouragement uh, with the uh, problem I've had getting the shows out 
I also heard from, heard from Tim uh, out of Tennessee. Uh, he said that uh, episode 10 was interesting. We've moved well beyond the running tips and insights. He said back in 2008, the tips were very timely and useful. But here in 2022, with 40-plus marathons under my belt, it was somewhat comical. Uh, shows the evolution of us as runners and persons. And I agree with you, Tim. It really, it really has. I mean, back then... Um, in 2008, I had only run a few marathons, and now I'm uh, uh, 38, I think, th- either 36 or 38. I think it's, it might be 36 is how many I've done now, and, uh, and half of those have been ultras. Um, and it looks like uh, he's doing the Hatfield McCoy this coming weekend in Williamson, West Virginia. Gosh, weird to think that the, this is my last email for the email bag. So the, all three of these had some kind of nexus with the Hatfield McCoy marathon, which is really cool. Um, Tim, if you if you're not if you haven't done that one before, if you if you haven't heard anything about it, uh, and I hope they still do this at the pre-race dinner, they kind of do a little bit of a skit with the uh, Hatfields and the McCoys, and it's um, and you got some guys walking around with r- old-looking rifles, uh, you know, dressed like um, I don't know hill people. I don't know what you want to call them. I I want to say I say country people, but I, I could almost be a country person, I guess, in some ways. Uh, but you'll see what I mean. And they, uh, and I, a matter of fact, I think the race director is, is a descendant. I remember the year that um, that was out there. I can't remember what year it was, but it was whenever I, I burned my feet off doing the 50 miler. Um, he said they were they were uh, making the race green, so they got green T-shirts. I, I remember thinking that was funny. And the pre-race dinner was fun. It was outside under some tents, a uh, very small townish kind of feeling. Although it's not a small marathon, uh, I really enjoyed my time out there. And so, Tim, I appreciate you sending that. Um, really do appreciate you always listening to the show. And um, if you want to, if you want to email me, it's ashlandave at gmail.com. Uh, and I also have the Stand Up and Be Counted campaign going. I've gotten a couple of those. I got a little sidetracked, but I didn't get the show out for a while. But for episode 300, I will uh, include all the emails of the people. Just uh, email me uh, and put uh, in the subject line um, roll call. I'm going to do a roll call of, uh, of the listeners that are uh, current listeners at episode 300. Um, just put where you hail from, what kind of running you do, and I'll uh, be glad to uh, mention that when I do the uh, listener roll call for episode 300, which will hopefully be coming up uh, this fall, I would think, if I keep getting some shows out. All right, so let's uh, hope you enjoy this encore, encore presentation of uh, Running in the Center of the Universe podcast, episode 20 from the week of July 18th, 2008. And I'll talk to you on the other side. Thanks for listening. And I forgot to mention Brian. Sorry, Brian. Uh, Brian sent me a text. He was listening to the new show while driving a U-Haul from New Orleans to Roswell, Georgia. And podcast got him through some miles. He liked the episode. He called it episode 10 reset. Maybe that's what I should call it. Anyway, we'll get back to Encore uh, presentation number 20. Sorry, Brian. Couldn't forget you.
everybody. Welcome to the Running in the Center of the Universe podcast. This is episode number 20. And I'm Ashlyn Dave. And I can't believe I've actually gotten to episode number 20. It's, uh, I guess it's been about 20 weeks. I tried to put one out each week. And here I am at number 20. If you're listening for the first time, I'd like to welcome you. Uh, the center of the universe is Ashland, Virginia. It's a small town in central Virginia, located within Hanover County. And it's been affectionately named the center of the universe by its residents, so to speak. So that's why this is, well, that's why my podcast is called that. Anyway, uh, a little bit about me. I'm uh, pushing 40, trying to keep it away. I'm a veteran marathoner and half marathoner. I love distance running. And this podcast is about what I see and do when I run in my town. That's why it's called Running in the Center of the Universe. It is a non-scripted podcast, and you'll see. (laughs) I'm a complete amateur. I have no professional recording ability whatsoever, which hopefully you won't see that because I do use some pretty cool software to put the show together. I've experimented with a couple different microphones, none of which have worked. So today I am going without a microphone. I'm just carrying my voice recorder. So we'll see how it turns out. If nothing else, I'll get through my workout pretty quickly. As I've said before, if you've listened to any other shows, if you want a quick way to get through four miles, just talk to yourself the whole time and you'll have no problem. So let's go for a run. Uh, Today, my goal is six miles. However, it is pretty hot today and uh, just over 90 degrees. This being the week of uh, July 18th, 2008. See, I did, uh, I don't remember what I ran last week. I guess about just over 20 miles. Did six on Saturday with my training group. It was a fallback week. I did the Muddy Buddy Run Bike Race uh, event on Saturday morning, which was, I think, 6.3 miles all told. It was running and mountain biking. And I'm going to give a full race report. Uh, that's pretty much the subject of this podcast. But i got to hit on a few other things. Uh, this week is just awful. I've got something to do every night after work from pretty much 5.30 to 8.30. And due to some post-race uh, partying on Sunday after the Muddy Buddy, I was not able to do anything but pretty much sit in a chair in the air conditioning because uh, we got started really early and I was just so tired when I got home. So I couldn't cut my grass and it was overdue. So what did I end up doing 
was cutting it last night. I started about quarter to nine, and it was uh, pretty dark when I finished. And I'm sure my neighbors were probably wondering what I was doing. But if they've been uh, watching my every move like good neighbors do, they will have known by now that I've never cut my grass in the dark. So they could have put two and two together and just figured out I had a real busy day. Anyway, same thing goes for today. I gotta be somewhere and not too long from now. And I'm gonna try to get six miles in a day. So that's my goal. And uh, I'll knock out the first part of the run doing my podcast. So I'm running today with a different shirt than uh, I've run with before. I'm kind of giving a shirt a second chance. It's a uh, race shirt I got from the, oh man, I'm getting a little winded here. Just started Patrick Henry Half Marathon in August of last year. And uh, I mean, the shirt looks cool, it just fits awful. The sleeves are not kind of proportional there to the shirt. The shirt fits fine, but the sleeves don't. So, as a result, I had to to turn up the sleeves because they just kind of hugged my arm too much. So I rolled them up a little bit just to give myself a little freedom. And uh, so I've decided to give the shirt a second chance. (laughs) Otherwise, I'm just going to trash it because it's not really the the thinnest material either. Um, So I'm going to give it a second chance. We'll see how it goes. Uh, Report on plantar fasciitis. Believe it or not, my left foot is feeling better. Uh, I've been concentrating real hard on keeping some type of shoe on that has support and it's got to be helping because I'm not experiencing the pain as much. And even this morning, it didn't hurt as much as it had in the past. So I don't know if that's you know, a sign of progress or not. I'd like to think it is, but if it's not, I'll just keep muddling through. I mean, I ran, and I'll give a full race report here in a second, but due to the race I ran on Sunday, which ended up being in a mud pit, I did not wear my inserts. And half that race was biking anyway. So, anyway, if you're, so if you're listening to the podcast for the first time, what I typically do is talk for about 15, 20 minutes about me <laughs> or about stuff I've encountered while I've been running. And then if anybody sent me the email, I'll talk about that. And then I'll close out with the Star Spangled Banner. That's pretty much what this podcast is. Easily, it's a 30-minute program. And the reason I do that is so you can listen to other shows and I don't monopolize, I don't monopolize your whole run. So I hate to do that. So, all right, here we go with the uh, Muddy Buddy 2008 race report. And I really don't even know where to start. <laughs> uh, it was on July 13th. Sunday at Pocahontas State Park, which is south of Richmond, Virginia, and had 1,200 teams of two, so that was at least 2,400 people, and if you don't know anything about Muddy Buddy, uh, I'll put a link 
on my site, which is at ashlanddave.podbean.com. If you're listening through iTunes, you might want to check out that site. Has some, uh, got some links on there that are kind of neat. Anyway, the Muddy Buddy race is something to do with a partner. That's one bike. Hey, how y'all doing? And, uh, I mean, you got to choose which bike you'll use. It's a mountain bike. And essentially, you and your partner run and share the bike. So, and then you, one person wears the chip and, you know, you cross the finish line at the same time. So, my partner's name was Bill, and he did it last year. I did too, but we didn't, weren't partners. I had so much fun doing it last year, I just had to do it again. So I got up at 4.30 on Sunday, because we had to be down there at 6.15, because the race started at 7.15, and I wanted to get down there for the costume show, because I had some friends that were going to be in the costume. And we had two guys from Ashland, Jeff and Ian, that dressed up as Mexican wrestler guys, complete with the masks, um, you know, wrestling type of outfit. Uh, they had women's underwear over top of their, it was basically biker shorts that go over the shoulder with no shirt on. It's very funny. Uh, like some type of Power Ranger glove thing over the wrist. Red socks, spray painted red shoes, uh, red helmets with some kind of like wings in them or something. It was something else. I'm going to put a picture on my site. So if you're listening via iTunes, you got to go to ashlanddave.podbean.com when you get home or whatever and check out the picture of these guys. They really did a good job. So that's why we wanted to get there at 6.15 because that's when the costume contest started. And the reason they have a costume contest is because the Muddy Buddy is kind of an event rather than a race. I mean, there's a winner and all that. There's winners in different categories just like anything. But they do have a costume contest. And my friends Jeff and Ian won it. <laughs> I mean, they were really good. And they run. They won a road atlas. That was their prize. <laughs> I think they were kind of let down a little bit. Really funny. So, <laughs> so they completed the race, and I ended up seeing them at the end. But the race works like this. You, one of y'all has to. One of the people on the team has to start on the bike, and they go first. And the runners are behind that group, and they did the wave starts for age categories. A lot of it's done by weight and age. For example, if you and your partner are combined over 400 pounds, that's called the beast division. And then you have age groups in there, which you combine your age. So if a 80-year-old and a 20-year-old did it just for sake of the simple math, they would be in the same age category as two 50-year-olds. See how that works. So the cyclists, so the bikers start off 
on the mountain bikes. Oh, and you got to run with that bike helmet on, which is uh, a little different than running with the hat. So you, uh, the guys on the bike start off. I think two or three minutes later, they start the runners. And uh, then the bikers stop at an obstacle. And in this case, the first one was a wall with pegs on it, a vertical wall. And you had to clear that. And then you had to go find the bike that your partner just dropped. Because then they do an obstacle, same obstacle. And then they start running. Hey, Gail, how you doing, man? So... And then you start running, or you start cycling after running. I guess you go for another mile and a half. And then you get to the second obstacle, which was a balance beam. Zigzag, zigzag balance beam. And then you go start running again. And running after biking is very hard. You should get all this lactic acid threshold stuff going on because this bike is such the intensity is so much higher puts you in kind of an anaerobic state so you gotta kind of kick some of those uh gotta kick all that acid out you start running and that's about the time that you start thinking i'm never gonna make it <laughs> because you try to make up time on the bike whereas if you're a weaker runner but a better biker you can pass a lot of people so I started off running first. I ran, picked up the bike, did the second balance beam, uh, then ran, got to like an A-frame. We have to go over under this metal A-frame structure. And you're all sweaty by then, so it's kind of hard. And there's big signs to say over under so you don't cheat. Then after that, I got on the bike and bike to the last obstacle, which was this huge inflatable slide, like you see at the uh, typical American birthday party for a kid. But it was immense. And he climbed up this rope netting, like you'd see on the side of a uh, battleship or something, and uh, go down the slide. And then I finished the run. And the, the end of the run is all uphill. And the reason I wanted to run first, because I knew I would be doing the hill at the end, and I'd been doing five weeks of hill training. So I was in good shape for the hill. At least I thought I was. But it still kind of kicked my butt a little bit. But they had one little, uh, then we finished, finished in 56, 54? 56, 54, I think. Wasn't too bad. It was newspaper said it was 6.3 miles, but I think they tried to make it around a 10k distance. But they cut a new path. The organizers cut a new path through the woods, which literally looked like it had been cut with a bulldozer or something the night before, because there was still, you know, six-inch twigs of thin trees sticking up. And through there, a lot of people were pushing their bike because it was so soft. It was kind of like quicksand. And I just ran through that, and that was kind of an on an uphill incline. I just remember thinking, I don't know why they 
that wasn't there last year and I don't really know why they why the organizers had to cut that through but anyway had a blast uh, another obstacle that's not really a, an official obstacle is you got to go through a large creek which is about waist deep to put it on your track through it that's right before the last hill and so you're running up with uh, totally you're so, totally soaked you know your shoes so you're running up with soaked shoes which isn't bad because it's near the end and uh, the cyclist people have to carry the bike through that you can't obviously can't ride through four feet of water and then whoever gets to the end first which is generally the people on the bikes but I actually beat my partner this year uh, and I was waiting on him And then you got to go through this little chute together. They match up your bibs, and then you crawl through the mud pit, which I'm going to estimate is, I don't know, 20, 25 yards long, 70 feet, something like that. And you are really coated with mud. In fact, it's the kind of mud that hangs on your clothes and makes your shirt hang real down real far. So make yourself, if I do it next year, to wear a shorter shirt. And, uh, go hit the hoses, rinse off, and uh, then you mingle around and just laugh at everybody else. So it's a great event. I mean, God, it's so much fun. Tailgated afterwards, uh, Frenzy and a Jeff cook some bratwurst, had some uh, adult beverages, sat in the sun. I mean, it was great weather. Overall, a good time. So I took Monday off from running because that was kind of a half and half bike run. And uh, I just threw away my shoes. They were so coated with mud. And so I'm back today doing six miles. And I'll actually do some speed work this week with a training group with the Bachelor Tammy Half Marathon group. Anyway, we'll see how it goes. I'm. Uh, wondering if my body has it in me when I start increasing the miles after this race in August because I'll be getting ready for the Outer Banks Marathon and then there's which is November 9th week after that there's the Richmond Marathon which I'm not running I mean I'm not gonna do back-to-back -back. but they have a 8k and a half and think about maybe doing the 8k if I can get in it because Bro, it was so much fun. It's only five miles. But, you know, it's all this money. I keep spending money. But that would put me down in the finish line area for people running the marathon. I can see some of my friends come in. I've got a lot of friends running that. But I've been toying with the idea a little bit. Running the Charlotte Thunder Road Marathon December 13th. I heard that was kind of hilly. But being that I've got a ultimate goal of running an ultra in May of 2009, uh, doing a hilly marathon would probably be good because I could utilize my strategy of power walking uphill, which is what I'll be doing during an ultra anyway. So I don't know, I'm going to give it some thought. It's not too expensive, and I've got a friend that lives in Charlotte. 
so I'd probably stay with his, him and his family and uh, see how it goes. So that's just some stuff I'm thinking about. And I'm also seeing which of my uh, former marathon training group team is interested in doing a uh, like a 12 or 24-hour momentum run, which is scheduled for October of this year, where it's a uh, simulate laps you can do on this trail course in 12 hours, or you can pick the 24-hour option. I've never done that before, but I think we could probably organize something and have some fun with it. So those are a few things on the horizon that I've been thinking about. I guess I gotta start getting serious here. I'm gonna have to get in the gym and start working out my legs to balance out the running, or I'm just gonna end up with overuse knee injuries again this fall. And I just know that's gonna happen. I guess I just gotta pick a date on the calendar and just get it done. All right, last thing. I've got a new garment on my wrist. Except it doesn't beep at the mile marks. I have to get that alert turned on. Anyway, that's a hand-me-down from my father. He got the 405. And unfortunately, this 305 will not pair. Uh, it won't pair in with my heart monitor chest strap that was with the Garmin that's no longer working. So right in the book, it only pairs with one once you get it programmed. So I think my dad's gonna try to program, but he was able to program his. Oh, this is confusing. The chest strap that comes, that came with the 305 I have on my wrist, my dad programmed that into his 405. So we're gonna see if he can program in the heart monitor strap that I have at home with the broken 305. He's gonna try to program that to his 405 and give me the chest strap that worked with the 305 I have on. <laughs> if it doesn't work, like I was telling my dad, hey, it's my fault because I'm sitting and left my Garmin in the heat before it broke. Although I would like to have that heart rate data because, I mean, I kind of wanted to start doing some analysis of that to get my best uh, training zone. So maybe that's just something for the future. Always something with running. I guess you can always find something to talk about. All right, I've got about a tenth to go before I hit the six mile mark. Maybe about 57 minutes. Not too bad. Actually felt pretty good today. It's hot, but I've been trying to maintain a consistent pace. I should have brought some water with me because I'm pretty thirsty. I don't know, I think I'll keep the shirt. Not too bad. I guess it's one of the few I can roll the sleeves up and still look relatively cool. <laughs> All right, right at six miles. Hope y'all have a good run. I'll talk to you in episode number 21. Have a good week. Oh. All right, let's check out the email bag for this week. I uh, got several of them here. 
Um, and I appreciate y'all sending them in. If you want to, uh, if you have a comment about the show, feel free to send it to me at ashlanddave at gmail.com. Uh, I'll share some of these with you. Uh, Ryan checked in and he commented on episode number 19, which was the running gimmicks. And he said that he enjoys his Garmin for all its fancy features, especially when he knows the route um, and the approximate mile markers. But he also likes doing the mental math to figure out his uh, minute per mile pace and what his projected total training time will be. And sometimes he says he just prefers to wear his normal stopwatch, which he described as the um, Timex Ironman Marathon watch. So it's pretty simple, but it does the job. And sometimes he just prefers to leave the Garmin at home because he does all these extra calculations in his head and it keeps his mind busy while I'm running. So that's, that's what his gimmick is. Um, he also likes designing new routes, uh, typing up the new uh, instructions and carrying them with me. Uh, that way he can always be looking for the names of streets so he doesn't miss his next turn. So Ryan, appreciate the, the feedback and sounds like you got your own running gimmick. Uh, I guess we all do. Got another comment from Ultra Dad. Uh, Ultra Dad has his own show at ultradad.podbean.com. You all check it out. It's a pretty good podcast. Uh, he does some lengthy training runs. Um, I can think his last week's show involved a th- uh, back-to-back 30 milers. I think for his, he's training for an ultra. Anyway, he says that he takes his digital recorder, uh, voice recorder, with him and occupies his time that way, or his iPod. Uh, 30 miles is a long time. That's about five hours to be out there by yourself. So you got definitely got to have something uh, to take along with you. Anyway, Ultra Dad, I appreciate the uh, the email, and I hope you keep listening. Uh, thank you very much. Got a uh, another one from Rob. Uh, Rob has his own blog at uh, runningglitchfield.blogspot.com. And Rob just dropped me a line and said, thanks for putting out the podcast. He's listening to back shows right now. Uh, His gimmick is his iPod that's full of tunes. He says he's got over 20 gigs, so there's always new songs on there. His whole, like I said, he has almost almost his whole library on there. Um, He trains Sunday through Saturday with just Mondays and Wednesdays off. And he really likes uh, creating a playlist for each day, and then he tails it for speed work his tempo run or easy jogs and of course the long run so that's Rob's gimmick and uh, like I said before I think we all got one so Rob thanks for sharing that with us and I hope you keep listening to the show thanks for listening uh, got another email from Ari and Ari was uh, had commented on an earlier show and I had sent him a note back just commenting about it. or I actually mentioned something in one of the podcasts about all the Porta Johns at uh, the New York Marathon or I was worried that there wouldn't be enough if I ever ran that race and he emailed me back and said there's plenty of them and uh, it's a, such a big event the crowds are the best in the world and he thinks it's really cool how New York City just totally embraces the event and everybody comes out to cheer uh, regardless of pace uh, Aries is finishing I guess week three uh, I was maybe week four by now for the Marine Corps Marathon. Uh, he said he's been doing pretty good except for the heat and humidity. Uh, he's had to run inside on the treadmill some because of the heat. And Ari, I know what you mean. Uh, this has been really hot this week, and believe it or not, I kind of caught a cold this week, as you might be able to tell with the sound of my voice. And I tried to run to sweat it off last night, and it was just miserable. I was supposed to do six miles. I got four and a half out before I just called it quits. And maybe it was the heat. We were, I ran on a track. I was trying to do some speed work. And it was just a total disaster. I'm not even going to go into that, but I can definitely uh, relate to you about the heat. So thanks for listening to the show, and especially thanks for the, the email. 
And last but not least, uh, Kelly emailed me. She said that she has been listening and enjoying the show. She said she always thinks of a comment while she's running and listening, but then she gets home and forgets. Um, and she signed up for the Outer Banks Marathon, which I had, I guess I kind of encouraged her to do that. Uh, Kelly, I uh, trained with her when I ran my first marathon, and she ran her first, and we trained with a group of other people. And uh, she has really gone and improved her times. Uh, she's gotten so much faster, and she'll definitely smoke me down at uh, the Outer Banks, but we'll have a lot of fun. And Kelly, thanks for listening to the show, and I'm glad that you sent in that email, and uh, don't be bashful next time. Feel free. So anyway, that's the that's it for episode number 20. Uh, I'll be back next week for episode number 21. I hope you come back and download that, and I uh, hope you have a good week of running. I'm supposed to do a nine-miler uh, this weekend. And hopefully my cold will subside and I'll be able to get out there and knock out that, that nine miles because it'll go up to ten next week. So I'm getting in the double digits again, and uh, actually it's kind of exciting to get back into those long runs. So y'all have a good week of running, and I'll talk to you soon. Right, well, hopefully you stuck around for the rest of that. appreciate it if you did. Uh, I, I looked up Ultra Dad's podcast I was just curious. I didn't, uh, uh, he had a blog. It was ultradad.blogspot.com. His last entry was from 2011. I remember listening to his show. Um, and then he said he was putting all new posts on WordPress, which I'm not even sure if that's around anymore, but the link didn't go anywhere. Then I looked for rob.glitchfield.blogspot.com. Didn't see anything there. However, uh, Ari, I think. I think I follow him on Twitter. I'm not sure. Um, I don't think he listens to the show anymore because I haven't heard from him in a long time. Uh, but Kelly, uh, I do see from time to time and communicate with. She is a, a, a lady from my original grassroots marathon training group from 2006, and uh, we've stayed in contact. Uh, she's got um, a larger family, so it, it's been difficult. Um but uh, we we've had some uh, little reunion runs here and there over the years, and uh, anyways, just need to kind of reminisce a little bit in that old show. Anyway, um, Star Spangled Banners next. This is Ashley Dave reminding you to run to finish, keep on running. Don't forget to hug your kids, and y'all have a good week. I'll talk to you real soon with a new show.